Hi, welcome to church today. The message you're about to listen to came from a recent gathering at our church. Be encouraged as you enjoy this message. What does the Lord's goodness look like? What did Moses see when the Lord showed him goodness? You know, we have scriptures. The Lord is good. What does that look like? That's for next time. Anyway, (laughs) so um, for today, I'm going to start from Genesis. um, Genesis 1.1. In the beginning, oh, amplified. I think most of them are amplified. Most of them. Some are King James. I like to go to, yeah, they're all over the place. Anyway, um, Genesis (sighs) 1.1. Maybe I'm not going to read the scriptures. I'm just going to talk about the scriptures because we, we might have some more things to do. Okay. So in the beginning, God made, um, he prepared, he formed, he fashioned, and he created the heavens and the earth. Okay. Then um, I'm going to jump to Genesis 1, 26 and 28. Okay. So God made the heavens and the earth. Yeah, I know there's a gap in between one and two and three. But um, he, and then he prepared the earth for man. Yes, he, 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 he put man on the earth. And then in Genesis 1, 26 to 28, he said, Let us, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, let's make mankind in our image after our likeness. And let them have complete authority over the fish of the sea the birds of the air, the tame beasts over all the earth, over everything that creeps upon the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image and likeness of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. That gave me, I stopped there, you know. um, If he created us in his image and he created male and female, so what is God made of? Male and female. And God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, subdue it, using all its vast resources in the service of God and man. Have dominion over the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, and over every living creature that moves upon the earth. God created you in his image. He created you to have dominion over everything that he, that he mentioned here. Okay. Then we go on. Then what happened? He put Adam in, in the Garden of Eden. Adam sinned. But then God had a plan. And, you know, we read the word and it says this plan was way before even he put Adam in the garden. He had this plan. The plan was him giving himself to save man. Why? For love. This is your journey. This is also your journey. God created you. And he had a plan to save you. Why? Jeremiah 31.3 tells us. The Lord appeared from of old to me, saying... Yes, I have loved you with an everlasting love. Therefore, with loving kindness have I drawn you and continued my faithfulness to you. 
everlasting love. He loved you before he created you, and he's loved you through eternity already because he lives in eternity. He's, he, he's loved you through it all already. And he says, you know, because he, he has given us a free will, he says he has drawn us to himself. Okay, he loves us, but he also wants us to love him freely. He wants us to, to respond to that. So he draws us with loving kindness, and he, he's faithful to us. Yes? So that's how you, you come to say yes to Jesus when you hear the gospel, because he's drawing you with his loving kindness. He's drawing you by his spirit. He's showing you love. And you're responding to that. Okay. And if we are created in his image, that actually proves that God loves himself. Yeah? You're created in his image and he loves you with an everlasting. So he loves himself. Okay. And if we're created in his image and he loves himself, do you love yourself? I, 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 at this time, th these were just thoughts. I'm, I'm just sharing my thoughts with you because I, I didn't have time to actually prepare a sermon. <laughs> do you know what? I, I, I'll come and say this to you. There was a time I certainly did not love me. I didn't. I would not look at my face in the mirror. I didn't want to see me because I didn't like what I looked like. I didn't like how I felt. I didn't like anything about me. I didn't. Um, but Jesus changed that for me. I tell you, I love me today. I actually do. <laughs> I, I actually do. And that proves to me that I truly am made in God's image because God loves him. He loves, God loves God. And therefore, I love me because he loves him. Okay. Um, Jesus paid that price for you too. Yeah? He thought of you. You know, each one. And that, that blows my mind sometimes. There's 2.6 billion Christians are here on the earth right now. Right now. Let's not count the ones that have already died. Yeah? And he knows us individually. He knows everything about you that you don't know. And he loves you. And, you know, sometimes you sit there and I'm musing and I'm like, like, like Nate, how, how did you know what I was going to say today? How did you know? And then, you know, Nate said to us today, um, Jesus is comfortable inside of us. He's, he's, put, he's put his leg up. In 2.6 billion people, how? I, I'm, not, I'm not going there because I can't. I can't fathom, but I know it's true. Why? Because I talked to him just now, and he spoke back. Do you hear him speak? If you listen, you will. If you listen, he will speak to you. He's not speaking all the time. Da, 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 da. No. But if you listen, he will speak. If you say, Lord, I'm here. And you know, one of the things I want to come out of today is for us to learn how to turn our affection towards him. How do you enter, basically, and that means how do you enter into his presence? How do you, you know, cultivate his presence? 
How do you do that? Okay, um, I'll just go on with the story. Um, I said, Jesus paid a price for you. And um, he agreed to become man and to die for you. So Hebrews 12.2 says, um, Looking away from all that will distract us and focusing our eyes on Jesus, who is the author and perfecter of faith, the first incentive for our belief, and the one who brings our faith to maturity, who, for the joy of accomplishing the goal set before him, endured the cross. What was the goal set before him? He wanted you. He wanted to be in fellowship with you. He wanted you to become his. He wanted you to be reconciled to the Father. That was that was the goal. That was what was going to bring him joy. So he enjoyed ev- he endured everything that came with that to get you reconciled to, so that he could say to you, my brother, my sister. Okay. And then after he did that, he disru- he disregarded the shame. He sat down at the right hand of the throne of God, revealing his deity, his authority. And the completion of his work. He had a goal. He had a purpose. And he came to achieve it. And you. You were that purpose. You were the goal. You as an individual. Not just mankind. You. You by name. You by the number of your hairs. You by your fingerprints. He came for you. Okay. So, looking at this, I realized right from the beginning of time, it was all about man. It was all about men. God was for men. Even from Adam, when he created Adam, it was about, I'm creating someone in my image, someone I can fellowship with, someone I would come down in the cool of the garden to talk to, to fellowship. So, I was like, what does fellowship mean? What, what does it mean? It means having things in common. It means sharing. You share with me, I share with you. You know, so it, it wasn't all about for himself alone. It was also for us to have someone to share with, someone to love, someone, you know, who was going to be always there for you. And he enjoyed it. It says so. It says he used to come down. He used to come and say, hey, Adam, I've come to talk with you. I've come to be with you. I've come to share things with you. How are you doing today? What animals did it? And, oh, I'll share that, what I shared with Nate. I'll share it a little later. Do you know in the Garden of Eden, the animals weren't ferocious? Did you, you, do you realize that? The lions weren't eating up Adam and Eve or, you know, they, they were calm. There was no fear. There was no dis- distrust. They lived peacefully with mankind. Or with Adam and Eve. All right. So um, from the beginning, it was about man, Adam. And God knew he would sin. God knew. Because it says from the foundation of the earth, he had already put a plan in place to, to, to redeem Adam. You know, sometimes when I was, you know, when, when I was musing on these thoughts and I had written these, I was like, I wonder how long it was from when God created Adam to when he actually sinned. I wonder how long, how long they had that fellowship together. We don't know. 
Because if you look, if you look in, um, in science, science actually tells you that the earth had been there for, is, is, has been around for how many billion years? But yet, we only know the earth for, for like, what, 5,000 and something years, which is counting from Adam. So how long was God fellowshipping with Adam before he sinned? I don't know. But it must have been a long time. So... Okay, here's where I wrote fellowship. They shared interests, experiences, friendship, companionship, togetherness. They just enjoyed being together. They had a bond. They were like-minded. They thought alike, Adam and God. Because he was made in God's image. So, of course, he would think like God. You know, there, there was no sin then. So, they, 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 I wonder how, what, what they looked at then Adam sinned God already had a plan Adam was redeemed by God's plan alright and then you would have thought why didn't God now give up on man okay Adam sinned and um, I know God knew Adam would sin but it, it was still about man. Abraham came. Ha! Ah, the friend of God. Hey, Abraham, get up. Come, come. I'll take you to somewhere. I'll take you to a land, you know, flowing with milk and honey. Come, follow me. Yeah, and I'll, I'll make your descendants. Look up, you know, I'll make your descendants as many as the stars. And then what happened? Abraham brought Ishmael. Huh? Ruining that plan. Okay, but again, God found a way out for him. Isaac still came. God's promise was still fulfilled. That's who he is. Then we go on, we go on, and then eventually find Israel in Egypt. <laughs> what are you doing in Egypt? And then the, in the end, I mean, we, we're, we're actually just going through that in Genesis in in the cell. And, you know, Israel found itself in, yeah, you know, sold Joseph, and then in the end, the whole of Israel, Goshen, and all of that. Um, and they were being oppressed. And then um, God said, I'm taking them out. And then he raised Moses. Yay, the deliverer, Moses. Moses had an anger problem. hit the rock when God said speak to it sorry Moses I can't let you see the promised land but this was Moses Moses who could go into the presence of God so long and come out with his glory on him God's glory so much that he had to put a veil on was he a friend of God yes he sinned, but God still honored Moses. It says, you know, um, God took him up to the mountain. Nobody knows where Moses was buried, but we hear that Satan wanted his body. 
Why? Satan needs bodies. The demons need bodies to, to function on the earth. <laughs> I'm just going to go on. I can't stop there. Um, then we come to David, which is actually where I think I'm going. David, <sighs> a man after God's heart. A shepherd boy looking after the sheep. Lovely. Fighting the lion, fighting the bear, being prepared, fought Goliath. Ha! I'll make you king, David. Yay, I'm preparing you to be king. That's right. <laughs> David becomes king. What happened? Adultery, murder. Did God leave him alone? No. This God and man. In this journey, and I'm, I've jumped so much because even the children of Israel, even before you come to, to David, you know, what happens, you know, they sin. God sends a prophet. Even after, you know, judges, all of that, God sends prophets to, to get them out of the sin and bring them back. Why do you love man so much? You know, every time the people of God sin, uh, people of God, Israel sin, he would raise a prophet to warn them and show them mercy. This journey was like getting to know God. Then you come to a man called Jonah. Jonah, go preach to those people so they can turn. I want them back. No. If I preach to them, they will come back. You'll show them mercy. I don't want you to show them mercy. Okay, go into the whale for a couple of days. Are you ready now? I'm ready. And then he goes, and of course they repent, and they turn to, 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 to God. And you know, you know I'm, I'm just picking out certain examples, only to point out that, you know what, God is all about man. It, it's, it's, it's as if, you know, it's as if God exists only for man. He exists for us. For you, he cares so much about each individual. He knows you, he cares. David, read through the Psalms. I cried unto the Lord and he answered me. And if Israel doesn't cry unto the Lord to call, he, he sends someone to, to remind them, you need to cry to me. This God. <laughs> Jesus himself was all about men. Why did Jesus come? What, did, what was his ministry all about? It was, he, he ministered to, to, to men. That's why he came. He, he came, he became man, he became human. And, and, and for 30 years, he was being trained, cooked, as I, I call that word, when people are being <laughs> grown by God. <laughs> you know, we don't hear much about him till, yes, okay, at 12 we heard he was in the temple. That was, gave us an insight of what was going on in his life. He, was, he, was, he had to go through learning the scriptures as well. All right? And then at 30, he began his ministry. Okay? And what was his ministry about? He came to deliver man from the oppression of the enemy. It's all about man. Everything is about us. Okay. Um, then I come to... Um, Matthew, I just want to, um, what was the first thing Jesus did when he died? 
um, on the cross. Matthew 27, 52, 53. This is King James. Matthew 27, 50 to 53. Jesus, when he had cried again with a loud voice, yielded up the ghost. And behold, the veil of the temple was rent in twain from the top to the bottom, and the earth did quake and the rocks rent. The graves were opened, and many bodies of the saints which slept arose. And they came out of the graves after his resurrection and went into the holy city and appeared unto many. That's the first thing he did after he he rose from the dead. Again, he was about man. He went and released those captives. He said, hey, hey, I'm I'm here. Come out, come out. (laughs) All the miracles Jesus did, it was for man. He fed the 5,000. He healed the sick. He raised the dead. He cast out demons. He taught us about the kingdom of God. He was preparing us to be in constant fellowship with the Father. He reconciled us to the Father. And you know, in the end, at the end of it all, what's going to happen? You know, we read from Scripture. You know, there's going to be a new heaven and a new earth. And what? Well, he's going to live with man. He's now going to, it is God's coming to live with us. That's his ultimate. It's all about us again. Or from beginning to end, it's about you. God has you on his heart 24-7. He's not prepared for any one of us to be lost. He wants all. He has enough room in him for all of us. He has. You know, sometimes I sit, I was talking to Nate this morning. I'm like, you know, what God, the Bible tells us God is light. He is love, but he's light. Because sometimes I, I try and sit and like, what does God look like? How can you talk to me and talk to Tina at the same time? How? That's just two of us. Not to talk of the billions. But that's what he's about. How can this big God care about us so much? Um, In Hebrews 2.6, this was um, Paul. Hebrews 2.6. But one in a certain place testified saying, What is man that thou art mindful of him? Or the son of man that thou visit him. And you know what? Not only Paul said that. David David said it in Psalm 8 and verse 4. Psalm 8 and verse 4. What is man that you are mindful of him? The son of earth born man that you care for him. Okay? So that's the, the background. He's all about man. He's all about you. Okay, so what, what, what's your response to this? How do we respond to this? How do we respond to this love? God who has done, and I'm, I, all this was just brief, is just touch here, touch here about the whole journey to, to Jesus. Okay, something that jumped out was David, and that's why I said, you know, in one of the songs you sang as well, um, Psalm... 27 verse 4. I'll do it in the Amplified and then 
in the message. But I'll start with Amplified Classic, Psalm 27, verse 4. It says, One thing have I asked of the Lord, that I will seek, inquire for, and insistently require, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord, in his presence all the days of my life, to behold and gaze upon the beauty, the sweet attractiveness and the delightful loveliness of the Lord and to meditate and consider and inquire in his temple. These were David's words. Why will God not say he's a man after my heart? He's responding to God's love. He says, all I want is to dwell in the presence of God. Do you love him that much that that's your heart's desire? Do we? Do we love him like, like, like that? Yes, okay, yeah, David sinned, but his heart, what was it? It was his heart. He says, I love you so much. I, and that's why I said, you know, your song, Better is One Day in Your Courts, that, that was, for me, it's this. Is the song says better is one day in your courts than a thousand anywhere else. Yes, he says that I I um, let me read also from the message the same um, verse twenty seven four from the message. Here's the one thing I crave, crave. Do we crave this from Yahweh? The one thing I seek above all else. I want to live with him every moment in his house, beholding the marvelous beauty of Yahweh, filled with awe, delighting in his glory and grace. I want to contemplate in his temple. This is someone whose heart is filled with love. I want to be with you all the time. I want to be in your presence all the time. I want to touch you. I want to feel you. I want to fellowship with you all the time. He's responding to God's love. Do we? I said, uh, we all want to experience the presence, the grace, and the glory of God. What does that mean? God walking, living inside of us. And then we, I, I, I look back. Many men have actually hosted the presence of God in them and have done mighty things for God. Can we say that? Jesus, I think the last time we talked about the Holy Spirit, Jesus said, I give you the Holy Spirit to live inside of you. <laughs> it, oh, what else do we need? God himself lives inside of us. You know, um, he, he says, I, I, I'm helping you. Here, here, uh, here's me. I'm come. I'm, I'll, I'll live inside of you. You know, and that's why, again, I said, you know, the, the Psalms, because the last... Um, the last song, or which one, we said, we want the nations. Why, why would we host the Spirit of God and not see the results of hosting the Spirit of God? What can we tell? Can, can, can an unbeliever see us and say, ah, 
There's something different about you. I'll share something I shared with Nate this morning. Um, I listened to Apostle Joshua Selman. He's, um, he's in Nigeria. And um, if I was in Nigeria, that would have been my church. Um, and I, as I said, one of the reasons I relate to him was we, he went to the same university I went to. This, this child is 41. 41, so could be my... <laughs> I think he's, he's the same age as my third child. But you know what? I respect him. Because he tells stories of when he was little and how he couldn't but want God. He says he used to, as a little child, just act out like preaching to people. His mom used to stand and like, what's going on with this child? You know, what's wrong with him? And she used to watch and keep it like Mary, keep it in her heart. What's, what's, what's going on? And then, okay, he went to uni. And he, he, what really touched my heart was he said he used to go and pray on the top of the vet med department, which had a flat roof. That's where I used to go and study, not pray. <laughs> he said that's where he used to pray all night. He used to go there and pray. And then he talked about reading the Bible. He said there was a tree. He used to go and sit by the tree. When the others are, you know, raving, he's sitting. He's either praying or sitting by the tree reading his Bible. The, he, he rattles out the Bible as if it was A, B, C, D, E, F, G, you know. And then what I heard him say really amazed me, which I shared with Nate this morning. He said... He started noticing that under the tree where he was reading the Bible, and anyone who lived in Nigeria knows we have lizards. We have these animals that, you know, little creatures that come and when they, you know, they run. But he said they would come not disturbed at all by him. They even come near him. Other little things like squirrels and you know, even rats and things that they'd come as if he wasn't there. He's like, hmm, what's happening here? And then the second thing he noticed was that the vegetation around that tree was lush, plush, fruit. He was like, it's only around this tree. And you know why? He was so, this, <laughs> he had visited the Lord so much and had absorbed a lot of who God was, his light, his glory, such that it was affecting the place where he was reading his Bible. It was becoming like Eden. I want to challenge us, me, myself included, how much do we want to carry the presence and the glory of God? Are you hungry? Do you desire it? These people that we hear about, they're human like us. They're no different from us. But there's a hunger, a desire that pushes them to sit in the presence, to, to seek out his face, to spend the time, to make the sacrifice. Yeah. 
Hmm. I'm talking to me too. So don't, 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 I'm not, I'm, I'm, I'm sharing. Let's do it together. Let's do it together. Um, okay. We're born again. We receive the Holy Spirit. He teaches us things. We're, we're, we're baptized in the Spirit. We speak in tongues. We, we know of this. We know. In fact, there are some have, have gone past us because some are, are walking in miracles. Proper miracles. This guy I'm telling you about, he can't pray for you and you'll be the same. He carries, so, I say he's 41. He carries so much presence. So much And he says, the Lord said to him, he said, son, if you will reveal Jesus, there's nothing you will ask for I won't give you. If you allow yourself to be one who reveals Jesus. (laughs) Okay, we've received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. That's not it. There's more. And we know that from Ezekiel 47. Ezekiel 47 tells us about the waters. I'll quickly read that, Amplified 47, 1 to 5. Then he, my guide, brought me back to the door of the house, the temple of the Lord. And behold, water was flowing from under the threshold of the house towards the east for the front of the temple was facing east and the water was flowing down from under from the right side of the house from the south of the altar then he brought me out by the way of the north gate and led me around on the outside to the outer to the outer gate by the way of the gate that faces east and behold water and we know water is a is a symbol of the spirit and water was spurting out from the south side of the gate and when the man went out towards the east with a measuring line in his hand, he, ma- he measured a thousand cubits. He led me through the water. It was ankle deep. He measured another thousand cubits, knee deep. Another thousand cubits, reaching the hips. Another thousand cubits, and it was a river that I could not pass through. Obviously, it had to now swim. So what is this saying to us? There are deeper and deeper levels that are available to us. But you have to want it. You have to desire. There has to be a desire in your heart. I want to go further. And you know what? It's it's as you said uh, uh, from the song. It's it's not for us. It's for the nations. How do you present your God? What do you present to them? He's done so much for you. It's all about man. It's all about you. Because for you to be here today, you have met the Lord. For you to be here today, you have tasted of His grace. Now He says it's your turn. I want to use you as an you know a testament, as a witness to the rest of the world about my goodness. All right, and how do you show the rest of the world that you're good? Is it, okay, let, let, let me take an example. Maybe you're doing well in, in your work or your business. Okay, you have a good house, you have, you have some money. The world has that too. Am I wrong? Maybe even more than us. What? You know, you're intelligent, you, you got a first class in uni. The world has that too. So how, 
will we be demarcated from the rest of the world and for us to make them hungry to want to come to the Lord? It has to be, the, the, it has to be us carrying the presence, the glory, and the power of God where we're different. Where they, they'd be like, go to, go to him, go to her. You have this, 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 because there are some problems the world cannot solve. And if, in fact, the world, the world is caught up because, obviously, the, 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 some of them are walking in the path of the enemy. Let me tell you something. The enemy may lift them up, but he's going to throw them down someday. He may say, I promise you this, I promise you this, but I tell you, one day he's going to let you go. So in, in, in those days, where are they going to go is to us. But if we are not showing anything different from them, if we need help, we go to the world, how, how will they come to us? God has, has made us, he has, he, he created, it's all about us. It's all about us. God's done everything he, is, he has done for us. And it's for us to carry that presence, that grace, that glory, to shine. He says, go and shine. You are the light of the world. Are we? As we are now, are we the light? And this is, this is my challenge as well. Even in the house of God here, even here, I'll share something about me some other day. Even in the house of the God here, in the house of God, do we lay hands on the sick and see them healed? And his commission to us was go out, heal the sick, raise the dead, open blind eyes. Have we seen it yet? You pray and you pray and you pray and the, the person still remains the same. No, it's, it's not. It, it, it's serious business. That we're not testifying rightly about our God. Don't get me wrong. Don't get me wrong. We do have some testimonies, but they're not enough. Nowhere near. They nowhere near show the glory of our God. If, you, if, if the testimonies are something you can count on your hands, it's, it's not enough. It's not enough. And you know what? We are going to need that glory in, in, in the way the world is going today. When you only have one loaf of bread in your house, you're going to have to learn how to multiply that bread. And not only for you to eat, but to invite your neighbors. Come. There's plenty in my house. Why? I belong to Jesus. This is what Jesus does for us. Okay? Jesus takes care of his own. But we, through whom? It's through us. Okay? Um, I wrote here, there's so much more of God that we need to access. But are we hungry enough? Are we? I also read, I, I won't go through it, but I also read in Acts 28, uh, uh, 3 to 6 about Paul. You know, when, when they got stranded on the island and Paul lifted up a bundle of sticks and there was a viper, you know, fastened on his hand. And they're like, ah, you were saved from the sea. You're going to die. You must be a criminal. Just shook it off. If a snake came in and attached itself to us, each one of us here, what would we <laughs> 
Would we just say, go away. I know who I am in Christ. Or would we flee? Uh, Nate showed us a picture this morning about uh, there was a lake or, or, or uh, uh, well, it looked like a lake. And there were little lights, you know, showing on the lake. And then he said, those lights were actually the eyes of alligators or crocodiles. So if you were in that lake, you, you're finished or you'd come out. Okay. You know, even Romans 8.19 says, even, even creation is waiting for the manifestation of the sons and daughters of God. Because he has given us dominion even over creation, over earth, over the sea, over everything. And it is waiting for us. Create, I mean, you, you, you go out and they're like, trees are dying. Creation, they need us. They need us to, 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 to speak. And do you know what? Do you know the way we reign in this kingdom? is by words. But the words have to have a backing from inside of us. If you're carriers of the presence and you speak those words you will see a manifestation of what you have said. But if you just speak those words from an empty spirit, nothing happens. Okay. Um, and we all know what Jesus has said. He says, you will do greater things than I did. You will. Can you, well, can we, I include myself here, can we write a book and say, hey, look at the things I did that are greater than what Jesus did? Okay. That, that's, that's where we're going. That's where we need to go. That's where this is, is supposed to inspire us to get to. It's supposed to say, inspire us to say, you know what? I'm going to seek the face of the Lord. I'm going to sacrifice. If I need to throw away some of my food, I'll throw it away. If I need to sacrifice sleep, I will sacrifice it. But I will pursue the face of the Lord. And that's why I always come back to Moses. What did Moses, all, all Moses did was pursue the face of God. And he didn't even have Jesus. He didn't have the Holy Spirit in him. But he picked up on the glory of God on himself. How much more us? Seek him. Spend time. Uh, you know, uh, what did, what did um, 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 David say? And you know, I'm, I'm going to talk about this, but I'm not going to read it. Um. You know, when Solomon, um, okay, be, before, now I'll, I'll start from David. You know, um, this was in Second Samuel 7, 1 to 18. And I'll just read, I'll just read one verse. When King David lived in his house, in his palace, the Lord had given him rest from all his surrounding enemies. David was comfortable. David had everything that he wanted. No more fighting. He was in a palace. He had now become the king. He was comfortable. And what did he say? The first thing he, he said, Lord, I want to build a house for you. I want to build a house. Yeah, God said to him, no, your son will build it. But what's my point here? He was comfortable. Many times when we're comfortable, you have money, you have house, you have everything you want. Do you remember the Lord? David's heart was still saying, God, I want to build a house for you. 
I love you so much. I want, I want to do, still do everything I can for you. Yes, you've done everything for me. I have everything I want. I don't even have to fight any more battles, nothing. But you, I want to do more for you. He was responding to God's love. He was grateful. He, he loved God so much. He says, this is what I want. And, and what did God say to him? He said, I hear you. Don't worry. Solomon will build that house for me, not you. Thank you. That's it, Tina. That's, that's where I'm going. And then, and then David, David said, okay, okay, Solomon, but I'm going to gather everything that he needs to build the house. He still could not rest. I'm, God, I need to do things for you. I need to bless you. So, we can say we're blessed. Yeah, we have rest all around. Yeah, you're living in, you have a job, you have a house, maybe, but you're resting. Is it still your desire to pursue God? You know, it's, and don't get me wrong. He, he, he will, if we need things and we ask him, he'll give us because he's a good father. He's a good God. He's good. He's good. He's good. You're asking for things he'll give you. I'm not saying it's wrong to ask him for anything that you need or to be comfortable. He's, he's happy for you to be comfortable. But what of your response to him? What do you do for him? And he's not even asking you. He's actually saying, you know what? I'll give you this power, this glory, this grace. This is what you can do because his heart's desire is for men. That's what we said from the beginning. He's all about men. He has a big enough heart for if everyone in the whole earth becomes saved. He's big enough to take it. And that's his heart's desire. But he has given, uh, he has given that part to us. Are we responding? Okay. That was, I would call this the desire of David. That when he found rest, his greatest desire was still God. And it was his heart. Where's our heart? The heart factor is the greatest factor in the hosting of the presence of God. It's our desire, our passion for him. If your heart is filled with desire for God, you become a magnet it attracts the presence of God. If you desire him, he'll come. He'll come. But he won't put himself on us without that attraction. And it's our desire. What do you cry out to the Lord in your secret place? What do you do with him in the secret place? What's your heart's cry in that place? Okay. Um. He, it, I, I won't, um, I'll just read one more scripture. Jeremiah twenty nine thirteen. He says, then with a deep longing, you will seek me and require me as a vital necessity. And you will find me when you search for me with all your heart. Not a divided heart, not a little bit of your heart, all you know what? If, you, if, if you're searching for him with all your heart, it will get to, if he says, 
Give up your job. Give up your, your, your house for me. <laughs> Take it. You won't even question. Have it, as long as I have you. So, um, this, was, this was my journey I'm just sharing. It's like, so I'm like, okay. So, when Pastor Ron said, okay, let me put it on all of us. <laughs> Let's put it, but you know what? It'd be great if we do it together. If we seek out his face together. If we say, Lord, this is our heart's desire. Yeah, that, that, yeah, nations will come. They, they, they can't help but come. They can't help but come because they'll be like, how come? What, what's this about you? You know? Um, <laughs> was it? I can't remember whether it was Bill Johnson. I remember some time ago I heard, I think, you know, he's, he's, he's all for hosting the presence of God. And he said there was a man who had an occultic shop in the town where he lived. And, you know, he said he still went into the shop to buy things. But, you know, he said, yeah, he said when he's going into the shop, as he's going, he'd say, Lord, you know, um, manifest your presence. And he'd go in and he'll get everything he wants and he'll go out. He said one day the man called him and said, Bill, there's something about you. As soon as you come into this shop, something changes. What is it? We won't even have to talk. You won't even have to witness to people. You'll just pass them. It wasn't, is it not in the scriptures? It says, was it Paul or Peter? I'm not sure. Is it Paul? Paul, handkerchiefs. Shadow. Shadow or handkerchiefs. They didn't even have to say anything. They're shadow. Their shadow, what was that shadow? It was the presence of God that they carried. Would heal people. Hey guys, let's, let's, let's make that heart's decision. You know what? I'm going to run after him. I'm going to seek him. What does, what does seeking him mean? It means spending time with him. Sometimes you might sit in his presence for hours and you haven't heard anything. Stay there. Wait, wait, wait. They who wait upon the Lord, you, you'll be shocked because you're thinking I'm waiting and nothing is happening and you come out and you find you're saying things and you find you can speak things and you'll be like, where did that come from? You waited in his presence even though he didn't say anything to you. But you're determined, Lord, I'm coming. This is my time. This is my space, me and you. And then when you're there, worship from your heart. Tell him how much you desire him. Tell him how much you want to carry his presence. You want to make him known. But stay there. Stay there. It may take weeks. It may take years. Stay there. Okay. I think I'll end here. Lord God, even like David said, his desire, his heart's desire was to be with you. 
was to seek your face and sit in your presence. Because he loved you and he appreciated you so much. And Lord, we love you too. And we want to make that decision today that we will seek you for you. So that indeed we can be carriers of your presence, carriers of you. So that we indeed will be the light to the world that you have called us to be. So that we will be the witnesses that you have called us to be. So that your heart will be blessed by the people who notice you in us and on us and come to serve you. That's our heart's response to your love. That's the gratitude that we want to show you for you loving us first. Lord, it's so true. We look through the whole of scripture and you were all about us. It's not too much for us to respond by being all about you. What? What does it cost? Time? How better for us to invest our time? So, Lord, we ask you, as much as we make that decision, and it's our heart's desire, we also ask you, Holy Spirit, to help us. Keep us waiting. Keep us sitting in the presence of the Lord. Keep us worshipping. Keep our minds still as we come before you. No wonder it says in your word, be still and know that I am God. So Lord, even as we make that decision to seek you out, we say, Lord, still our minds. You are more than everything to us. We want you. So we thank you, Lord. Thank you for spurring us on today. Thank you. And Lord, even as we make that decision, we know that we will begin to see results. No results is what will change this world. They need to see results. They need to see results. Yeah, it's okay for us. It's all right. Because if we all died, if there was a bomb here and we all died, Lord, we're coming to you. But what do we bring to you when we come? What do we show you when we come of our response to your love? So, yes, Lord, thank you. Thank you for helping us. Thank you for each day. Each day. I'll just share one little nugget. You know, I, you know it, it was like in the morning, you know, you wake up, you say, this is the day that the Lord has made. We will rejoice. We will be glad in it. And the Lord stopped me one day. He said, think of what you're saying. You said, I made the day. I said, you did. He said, look back into Genesis. Everything I made was good. So even when you're declaring that this day is the day I have made, what are you saying about your day? That is going to be a good day. Do you believe it? Yes, Lord. <laughs> yes, Lord. So I, I just thought I'd share that little thing with you. When you're saying that, believe it. He made the day, so it is a good day. So good things shall happen. And if you see anything that doesn't line up with that, turn it around. Speak goodness over it. You wanted to
Thank you, Pastor Abby. There's just so many things that you said that are resonating with me. And um, even what you just said then, I, I was thinking as you were talking about, you know, the fact that God's mercy is new every morning. And to him, it's, it's like a new, fresh day. It's like the first time he's seen us every time we wake up. And what would it look like if we wake up every morning as if it's the first day we've been saved? You know, remember when we first came to know him, whether we were a child or adult, how would it look like, like every day? This is my first day in you. Um, but I wanted to share, um, because last night, literally, as I was just going to bed and I was thinking about things and sort of repenting to the Lord, and I just wrote this down um, the more familiar I become with God, the more I make him in my image. The more fascinated I become with God, the more I see myself in his image. And I was just thinking about, I was just repenting because we can become so over-familiar with him and he becomes a concept or someone that is just always there. And then actually our image of him becomes distorted sometimes and it's like lord i want to know you rightly i want to see you rightly and just yeah and i so i just wrote down those words that we can become fascinated with him and the more we are then we actually see ourselves in his image so as soon as you started the sermon i was like this is you know it's amazing and um just another thing i don't want to preach sorry but so many things um thought about in Revelation where it says um, because you are lukewarm and neither cold nor hot I will spew you out of my mouth and just that idea of we need to be holy for him you know our heart and it says that they were lukewarm because they thought you know we have need of nothing um, you know we don't, re- we don't realize sometimes how blind we are how naked we are and then the Lord says, therefore, I counsel you, you to purchase from me gold refined and tested by fire that you may be truly wealthy and white clothes to clothe you and keep the shame of your nudity from being seen and salve to put on your eyes that you may see. And uh, it's just about that price we have to pay. And as you were talking, Abby, I thought about, you know, Jesus has paid the price and that's incredible. And oftentimes we have to come back to how how amazing that price is but how much more when we have that revelation and then on top of that we pay a price you know because sacrifice there's power with sacrifice so the base level is what Jesus has done which is already you know phenomenal but how much more when we take that notch up with our fasting or with our time you know there's just so much more that the Lord wants to do so yeah that's it Is it okay if I just, it's like a testimony? Okay. So actually, what Debs has just shared is really poignant for me and by way of a testimony. So that understanding about the new mercies of God every morning is what turned me into a morning person. I was not a morning person. There's that old anecdote, instead of saying, good morning, Lord, you're saying, good Lord, it's morning. That was me uh, for a long time, years and years and years and years and years. And then the Lord really met me, and I 
grabbed hold of this. In fact, it's what birthed my whole EP back in 2019 was that one thing, and it's called Your Mercies, Volume 1. Um, but the mornings became that. I opened my eyes and the understanding that this is the first day of new mercies. And um, as the first breath entered my lungs, the first thing that would come out of my mouth, good morning, Jesus. Oh, I get to do it again. I start afresh. And I tell you what, there is a real yoke-breaking power in that, bondage-breaking. There's a, a lot of stuff that's tied into anxiety and depression, and I was set free from that of a lifetime of it. Um, very, very dark. Um, haven't got time, just dark. And that revelation contains so much bondage breaking power. You start this day afresh, afresh. And the father is brimming. He's, he's, he, he can't sit still with excitement over you waking up and enjoying his new Ephesians, when Paul wrote to the Ephesians, he said it this way. He said that he, he, he chose you before the foundation of the world and, and prepared that you'd be made holy and blameless and presented acceptable before him. In love, he predestined you to adoption. He did all this stuff da, 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 before, the, before the world was created so that in the ages to come, he could show you his kindness in the ages, and that's not talking about a few days. We're talking millennia. So all, he, all of that stuff he did, he's just wanting to lavish it. He's wanting to bless up, like, through the ages to come. So uh, if anyone, um, you know, just be encouraged, you know, because it's so prevalent in our society to dread the day, dread waking up, and, you know... Um, the psalmist wrote, in the morning I groan, oh Lord, that it were the evening. But in the evening I groan, oh, let it be morning. In other words, you just constantly in dread. And the Lord just delivered me from that. And it was because of this understanding that his new mercies. Yeah. Blessings. Oh, that's fantastic. Sister Abby, Pastor Abby. We know another Pastor Abby, and I tell you what, she's this high, but the fire on that woman. I pay for her, sorry. The other one. But we, yeah, exactly, exactly. Wonderful, wonderful. God's mercies are new and new. This is wonderful, right? And as you were talking, Nate, I was thinking on it, and the thought I had was a bakery. Yeah, when the bakery cooks fresh bread in the morning, the smell, yeah. But if you go back there in the afternoon, it's not the same, yeah. The morning, the break of the morning when you meet with the Lord is the f that fresh moment. It's so key what you said, you know. It is absolutely key. The revelations I've had in the morning is different, yeah. When you read the Word in the morning, that it's different. You go and read in the evening, it's not the same. The morning, the freshness of God. All meet with him in the morning, please. Thank you. Bless you. Bless you. Wonderful. Wonderful. We believe you've really enjoyed this message. 
For further information, visit www.commonwealthchurch.org and feel free to join us on any Sunday 